Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour has arrived oh, on this Tuesday. It's already two hours in. Are you kidding me? This has flown by today. I thought I'd it was, never lie to you. I thought it was three o'clock central. Would never lie to you. And instead, it's five o'clock Eastern. See how I did that? That switch right there. And it's time. That means it's time for you to go to YouTube and subscribe to the Outkick channel. Oh yes, I'm already subscribed. Like, subscribe, share, and join Chad in the chat. Chatting away. What's the chat like today? Chat's been good today. We've run into um, one poster's posted the last five posts, which uh, I like that level of activity, but we got to get some other people in there posting, not responding. A not a bot. I'm on that. No. It's, it's not David, Penelope. he's in here every day. This is a person. Not Penelope. Um, not, uh, Penny, as Penny, I like Penny, to call yeah. her. Penelope Vasquez, <laughs> who I'm convinced is Sleepy Danny. But uh, <laughs> I'll talk to him about uh, that another time. Might be. I, uh, like to, I like to call her... Penny. Chad, the Lakers have the Warriors on the brink. Am I foolish for counting out the Warriors and Steph Curry? You're foolish only because they're about to go home and win because they typically win at home. But I don't think so, Hutton, for this reason. They're miserable on the road. This is a Lakers team that can win it all. Yes. Now, they need... we, We have certainly seen a back and forth with Anthony Davis, and that Took a bit of a turn where he was more consistent after having a nice performance in game four, but I mean, uh, in game three. But here they are up 3 1, returning back to Golden State. And I think this is a Lakers team that can close them out because they've already used the ammunition. They've already used the jet fuel of the speech that it took from Steph Curry the last time to knock out the Kings. Yeah, it, it's been crazy. By the way, on cue, Penelope? In, in, no, in the YouTube chat, suddenly the woman by the name of. Johanna Martinez says hi. <laughs> I don't think that's by accident. Thank um, you, Johanna. Yeah. Uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, um, last night's fourth quarter, four, uh, 15 points, I believe, put them over the top. Well, they've had role you, you players had, do this. You had last night, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry go a combined six for 25 from three. That clearly cost the Warriors. What else cost them? Stupidity down the stretch. That was terrible by Steph Curry. Late in the game, shot selection was awful. When he had Anthony Davis and, on him yeah. and was he jacked up two terrible shots late, very un-Steph Curry-like. I thought Clay Thompson shot them out of it a little bit in the fourth quarter as well. Disappointing for the Warriors. They've been terrible on the road. They had a great shot at a win in L.A. last night. I think they'll go back home and win, but I don't think they're winning in L.A. when they go back. So... It's going to be a Lakers series win. I, I believe. I'm with you on it. Hunter. And what, what's up with their road woes, man? That makes no sense to me with the mental makeup of this team. And the shot selection, isn't that on Steve Kerr? Or is that just, hey, we're coaching one of the all-time greats. Do what you want. Do you have to rein that uh, in think, at any point? Or I is, think it, you, is it um, too panic mode if he does that based on, I mean, they win championships doing that? I don't think if you're Steve Kerr. I, I'm not going to get on Steve Kerr for not getting on to – Steph Curry or Clay Thompson about shot selection. What it is on Steve Kerr, though, to do is 
talk to them about, hey, you're one of the all-time, you're two of the all-time greatest shooters yeah. in the history of the game. So I'm not going to sit here and micromanage you and say, you know, don't take this shot from this far out or whatever. But we do need to understand that we can do other things late in the game. When you get a mismatch, like Anthony Davis on, you, you, you don't settle for the fadeaway 35-footer in, in that setting. That is on Steve Kerr to make his guys understand. But I, I think they will. I mean, Steph Curry's going to adjust. He knows he, knows he made a, a mistake on that, that shot, too. Yep, and he had a triple-double. I mean, he's got, he's got great performances. But again, that's the headline for Curry is the triple-double and not the shot selection. Because we're used to seeing him hit them from the other side of the floor during warm-ups. I mean, I, I'm not saying, like, oh, take this guy out. But at some point, if you're down 3-1, going into the next matchup, it's like, hey, we, you've got to be smart about this and let's just get the win going yeah. in and, and get, it well, back, get it back into a series where we're not on the brink of falling to the Lakers. As uh, I know, and I realize the Warriors are a sixth seed, but they're finally healthy and they've got to get the road game going, which they can't do. No, Jordan Poole's been a gigantic disappointment in this series. Um, Steph Curry not knowing they had a timeout when he threw the ball over his head to no yeah. one after getting the jump ball. Just uncharacteristically dumb plays by the Warriors. Late in that game, cost them. The Knicks, they're trailing the Heat 3-1 now. And let's see, Miami out-rebounded them 44-35. They crushed them on second-chance points. And if there was any chance of a Knicks rally, it's them. It's, it was the Heat crashing the boards that... I'll, that allowed them to go six from 22 to finish the game, but still win the game and take a 3-1 series lead. Butler is so fun to watch, man. He is dominant. I mean, he is the best he, player in the NBA playoffs so far. He's, I, th I think he's Terrific. the most underrated great player in the league. Yeah. And, and that's saying something because they push their superstars. But you don't go to Jimmy Butler for that, right? No, he's, he's awesome, and he does it quietly. And I don't mean by it's, he doesn't speak. I know. It's yeah. his game is not loud and audacious it's a is it quiet Kawhi? way of going Kawhi about level dominating the game yeah I think that's a good example Kawhi Leonard's a good comp but he does it in such a methodical way and you look up and he has just filled up the stat sheet yeah it's it's unbelievable but also Hutton he's got humidity and heat on his <laughs> side which apparently is a big factor in indoor arenas for the NBA so Mike Greenberg said this morning hey why, why are the Knicks struggling take just take a look at the temperature outside the arena. Particularly from Jalen, was how hard it is to go down to Miami and play this time of year. And I know people will immediately associate that with the nightlife and all that. But according to Jalen, there's more than that. There's also just the reality of the temperature change, the heat, the geography, being down there for three days. It sort of saps a little bit of your energy and your strength. We talk about that primarily in football. I know this is an indoor sport. But, I mean, the Knicks, whatever it is, Jimmy Butler is just has, has just destroyed them. Yeah, so, I mean... What zaps you of your energy is going out all night and taking out and taking in the nightlife of Miami. Uh, I don't feel sorry for guys pay, playing in an, an air-conditioned arena no. in Florida. Zapping of energy. Well, and it's also, you know, the geography. <laughs> the ge what, what about the geography? There are way further flights. I'm going to give a geography. Me, Chad Withrow, fifth grade geography B champion. From Glayville Elementary, that's a true fact. <laughs> huh? I want to give Mike Greenberg a little geography lesson. There are places that are geographically further away from New York City than Miami that would be a rougher <laughs> flight to get to, 
and geographically could be tougher. Like, I don't know, say of Denver, if they were ever to make it back to an NBA Finals and take on the Nuggets. That would be geographically a lot different because of altitude and mountains and also further mileage to travel into. Flying from New York and Miami is not a big geographical feat. And you get down there. I've been in South Florida and Miami. It's very flat. You're not walking around a lot of hills. So I'm not sure about the geography of what he's talking about. Uh, th- there's there's definitely scenery that's different um, than a lot of places in America. A lot of head turning. But give me a break. I mean, he says, yeah. I know about, you know, people are going to point to the nightlife. and <laughs> Well, yeah, if you're experiencing the Miami nightlife on South Beach, then your play the next night is going to be affected. I don't know that these guys are doing that. They could be in their hotel room all the time. But here's the deal. Their hotel rooms have, wait for it, air conditioning that would protect them from the heat and humidity This is a lazy and dumb argument by Mike Greenberg. Maybe one of the dumbest I've ever heard. Oh, and they're they're missing Hero and Oladipo, by the way, the Heat. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's The geography and the heat and the weather is zapping their energy. I've said on the show this week, I'm I'm paying attention to Nuggets' sons because now we've got a little... I'm intrigued in how Jokic responds, and we'll get to his fine in a moment. But is the coverage of why the sun sucked in Denver, the altitude? Is Greenberg saying the same thing there? Which is a factor, no matter if it's air-conditioned or not in the arena. I just want to take this moment to applaud uh, uh, Jokic for playing so well, given how he had to go from the geography of altitude to a desert, <laughs> to go to Phoenix and put up 53 in a desert like it's that. It's a dry heat, though, Chad. I mean, come on. Like, Not only is this guy fighting the sun's crowd and the sun's owner, who's ripping the ball from him and he's getting a technical <laughs> on, but the dude's out there playing in a desert the whole time. You know how dry that heat is and how just dry mouth you're going to get when you play? What a just heroic performance by Jokic. This will be next on ESPN with Mike Greenberg. This will be the next argument. It's so dumb. Jokic And Jalen Rose also argued this, by, grand, the way, by the way, about the weather. I know. Come on. Of course he did. You're really searching for. These are highly paid professional athletes. In tip-top shape. Yeah. I don't think a walk from their hotel Benefiting room... Benefiting from load management. I mean, think about this also. If they really... If, if that was an issue, if they were to go on the road to Miami and they were all to a man to say, this damn weather has zapped our energy, they have the ability to stay in an air-conditioned hotel suite and go right from that room down to a buffet in a, in a meeting area or some banquet hall in their hotel, back up to their room... So what you're telling me is the walk from their hotel to the team bus and then from the team bus to wherever the practice facility is and or arena yeah. is so taxing physically because of the weather and geography that it is yeah. zapped their energy. And the weight of whatever they're wearing. That is the ludicrous. What a terrible argument. They've got Project Runway every night. Yeah, I mean, if the weather's so zapping, stay in your room the entire time. (laughs) You have the ability to do that unless you're at a shoot-around or at the game. Um, Jokic is not getting off scot-free, but it's a slap on the wrist, a $25,000 fine. I think we mentioned this yesterday. He shouldn't have been fine, though. Well, but based on the optics of of what happened here, Chad, let me just... Jokic, if he's not fine, and you have have Ishbia who's saying don't fine him, you know exactly what the headlines on ESPN are. Because we've already seen it. Racism. Got black players getting fined for doing things with fans. And they're admitting that the owner's a fan. 
and we're not going to find Jokic? I can hear it now. I can hear J.J. Redick trying to defend the argument that whatever is on first take, just like I heard about the MVP. Yeah. The NBA had to find him something, and this guy, you know, pisses $25,000. So I'm not overly concerned with the find as much as I am. The NBA did this for optics. Yeah, you're right. Someone would have argued, man, if this was, uh, you know, Rasheed Wallace in his heyday, he would have been thrown out of the league for getting into an altercation with an NBA owner or courtside. So... I can see that part of it. I also think, you know, you say it's 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 basically couch money, pocket change for these guys, yeah. which it is. It's also that for the NBA. What's a tax when you're talking about $25,000, and I'm thinking... It's a tax write-off. Yeah, I just, at my core, I'm opposed to optics things. And I know this is what it is, but at, it's at just their, such a at dumb... At their core, at the league's core, they're not opposed no, to that. No, I, I, a big business in general, I, I understand, is all about that. But it just seems so stupid. And Ishbia admitted that. 25000 You had the NBA owner saying, hey, don't, I don't think you should be fined or suspended. And he, it, it's not like he was suspended. I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the thing, is no harm, no foul. And that's exactly how it should have been handled yesterday, the day after. And it's even after, it's the, it, it the morning after, we had Jokic and what others from the team say, oh, yeah, about what happened over there. You're talking about the fan pointing out Ishbia. They knew who he was. So I, I, Ishbia still said all that afterwards. I, I applaud both sides of this, honestly. I thought it was handled well. And I thought the league, for you know optic purposes, it's not like they came over the top. This is a slap on the wrist. A $25,000 fine. Uh, it, consider what players have been fined for just you know, missing a game. Or a, a team has been fined for load management whenever ABC and ESPN want the primetime game in the best slot on Sunday afternoon and they're finding teams for sitting players on the road. I, I, I don't take this as much of anything other than the NBA agrees with Matt Ishbia and Nikola Jokic. Do you think that Adam Silver talked to Jokic about this and said... I don't even think it was Adam Silver who Debbie's is fine. Isn't it uh, the former Piston who does this? No, it's Joe Dumars. But I'm saying, do you think in this case that Adam Silver, because it was so high profile, just talked to him and said, hey, you're getting a $25,000 fine because that's what we have to do in this setting. Can you imagine Kendrick but Perkins today? we don't really care. Imagine Kendrick Perkins today. Yeah, he, he's, he's got that. That opinion was floating in there for sure. It had to be. Yeah. It had to be. Hit us up with your thoughts. You can join us in the chat on OutKick with the YouTube channel. Um, so the... Uh, other headlines that are out there today. So the the Brewers are saying they're taking a reverse course on extending built beer sales. So we had mentioned the games are faster in Major League Baseball. And because of that, they're extending beer sales because they're not having as many beer sales. The problem with, at least from the Brewers' perspective, is it was averaging out to about an extra 15-minute window of keeping it open from the seventh inning until the eighth inning. And they were not seeing tremendous jumps in sales when they can actually cut they can cut their the people working in the concessions then and it would be more financially beneficial for them. They're not saying this. This is the truth though. This is why your your hotel doesn't wash your towels every day. They're saving money on that. They're not saving the environment. Uh, they're just pointing to that as the reason. The brewers are saying, hey, we're not we're actually not selling that much. Because it's the eighth inning and fans are preparing for their drive home, so they're not going to buy. 
You mean fans got tired of $17 beer night and decided that <laughs> well, you know maybe the sixth inning beer was the last one they're going to have? I don't know if fans, uh, fans are tired of it, but fans line up and pay for it. Yeah. Have you seen the lines at last call oh, in the seventh inning? No no doubt. I've seen it at uh, second intermission of hockey games also. Ten-minute mark. No People yes. are running in there to get it before yes. the third period starts. Yeah. Um, this is a change of convenience that they had one major league player speak out and say, hey, this is not a great idea to just continue beer sales and send people home. Well, that was a couple weeks ago. And on their way. This is a... A, a, exactly what I'm saying. Convenient that they had oh. the one guy speak out, and then two wow. weeks later, when they try it out and show that they're not making a ton of money off of it, they can claim moral high ground and say, you know what, that player was right, guys. We're going to step away from this and not do it. And in reality, it's all about the money. Yeah. Well, the moral high ground would be, well, we're just not going to extend sales because we want you to get home safe. Well, the moral high ground would have also been, you know what, we're going to do the sixth inning now. We're going to take an inning off of it. You know what, the, that player's right. <laughs> we're going from the eighth, to, screw the sixth, to the fifth. We're cutting beer sales off in the fifth inning because he is so right. That, I can teach a class <laughs> you know, we're the on, brewers. on winning the moral high ground. We're the brewers, but we're going to sell old jewels. As the Milwaukee Brewers, first off, we need to change that name. Put that, write that down. If the Cleveland Indians can become the Cleveland Guardians, then by God, the Milwaukee Brewers can change their name too. And also as moral, last calls. moral high ground chief priest is what I'm <laughs> going to call myself now. Not only are we going to go back to the seventh inning and stop beer sales, we're going to go to the fifth inning as the Milwaukee Brewers, and we're going to lead the way when our starter leaves the mound? in Major League Baseball. When our starter leaves the mound, final call. This is the final decree from moral high ground chief priest Chad Withrow. You're welcome. Final thing, speaking of money, I was watching the F1 race here at 6th and Peabody with some friends who are diehards, diehard F1 racing fans, more than just the show. They travel internationally. And I asked them, I'm like, financially, like, tell me behind the scenes what's going on here. And he said, let me put this in perspective for you, Hut. The two, the two drivers for Red Bull or any of the two for any team, the money that is spent on that one race combined is more than a NASCAR season for a team running the full circuit. That is incredible to me. The, the billions that go into F1. Did you know they can't refuel during a race? Because the engine yeah, runs so hot? Well, I, I didn't I've, know that until I've Sunday. watched a season and a half of Drive to Survive, so that's my, the extent of my knowledge of it. But a huge theme in that show, which is what you're hitting on, is the money wins. That it's really hard. It All these teams have a lot of money, but the ones, the Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, the ones at the top from a money standpoint, yeah. it's really difficult for those bottom-level teams to compete. And there's only, I think there's 10 20. teams of two. There's 20, yeah, 20 cars drivers. in every yeah, 20 drivers in every race. And about so, four guys who can win. And we're talking about 10 teams. Mm -hmm. But those bottom two or three are always, kind of like Major League Baseball in some ways, always strapped to compete. Because they don't have the money. Great story coming up with former offensive coordinator in the NFL, now head coach of the New Orleans Breakers, John DiFilippo, who was told by a couple of doctors he may not walk unassisted ever again. And then he trotted out as the head coach of the Breakers and what was a very emotional scene. We'll hit that topic and we'll dive into some of the quarterbacks he's coached throughout his career. That's all straight ahead on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hot Mike, Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, Robert De Niro is 79 years old, and he's welcoming his seventh child. He's confirming that he's going to be a father for a seventh time. At 79. I don't know whether to be impressed or frightened for maybe, Robert De Niro and, and the child. Props, was, are, uh, in, props in New, to Bob. In New York over the weekend, uh, we were in Robert De Niro's neighborhood at one point and almost walked over to his building. Well, I was Googling where he lives. You'd be babysitting. I watched over that. I could have been handed a child. <laughs> to say, right. take, take this child around the neighborhood, please. John Filippo is the head coach of the New Orleans Breakers, and they're off to a 4-0 start doing some winning, and that's certainly what Filippo did as an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, and more. Great to have you on, Coach, and, and congrats on the great start to the season. I appreciate it, guys. It's, it's great to be here. We referenced right before you jumped on the emotional scene of, of jogging onto the field as the head coach of the Breakers. Based on what doctors had told you, where you may not, they, at least two of them that I, I was reading about at the time told you, you may not walk unassisted ever again. What exactly happened and what was it like to coach, not just coach the breakers on that day on April 16th, but to actually think, you know what, uh, I want to run out here by myself unassisted and it's going to prove a point to me mentally and show everyone that I'm overcoming this. Absolutely. And, and um, it was, was an emotional day. It was a, it still still is uh, for me when I think about it um, because I was in so much pain for a long time. Um, it, it's, it was just great to be able to run and, and, and I'll never forget that night when I got that call um, and the doctors were telling me that I would probably never walk without a walker again. Um, I called my parents and I said, that's 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 not going to happen. I said, I will run out of that field for our first game. And um, I did. And uh, it, uh, it was uh, it, it was it was I was I hate to say I'm proud. I was proud of myself, uh, but I was just for the, you know, the mental toughness it took to keep keep fighting this what I have. Um, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and, and explain what happened. And by the way, you should be proud. I mean, that, that don't, I don't think you should hesitate in saying that. Um, and it, getting the phone call and the sudden, you know, just a drain of that, you know, trying to realize what this is. What are you dealing with, Coach? Um, I have this condition called ankylosing spondylitis. And it basically what it, what it does is um, I have a very severe arthritic spine. And so what it does, it, it affects your joints it picks joints in your body randomly that it wants to affect um 
and mine, my condition happened to pick my right foot. And uh, the night I entered the Mayo Clinic, my right foot was almost twice the size of my left one. And it was going up my leg, the swelling and the pain. Um, I hadn't been able, I wasn't able to walk for really pretty much the previous two and a half, three months uh, at all uh, without, a, without a walker or, or a wheelchair or a scooter. Um, and so I was very fortunate that I live right outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and I got a chance to go to the Mayo Clinic and um, the doctors there were just awesome. They're still taking great care of me, you know, via Zoom, like I'm doing with you guys here. Yeah. Um, and they're with me every step of the way. And I can't thank Dr. Sullivan and her team enough for, number one, finding out what I have. But number two, uh, being so gracious and kind in, in treating me. Did this happen during the year off from football or was this prior to that? Like what led to all this? How, how fast did this come on? Uh, it came on pretty quick, right around Christmas time, right before Christmas, I was putting on my shoe and it was like, man, my, my foot hurts. It's weird. It's like, it was just an, an annoying pain. And um, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and get, kept getting swell. The swelling kept getting a lot worse. Um, they thought I had gout for a while uh, and then the gout medicine wasn't helping. And, you know, I was in and out of the hospital and, you know, getting all kinds of MRIs and CAT scans. And, you know, finally, like, like they saw, like I got, when I was in the Mayo, rheumatology people saw a little smudge on my pelvis that they didn't like. It was literally like a, almost like a fingerprint smudge. And there's, they said, there's something about that we don't like. And uh, so they put me actually in the MRI machine for over two hours. I was fully enclosed for over two hours without a break. And they did a full back MRI spine on me. And then they found out what I had. My, my pelvis, my pelvis um, and my low back is very, very inflamed. John Filippo, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Well, best of luck moving forward with that. Yeah. And uh, congrats on, Thanks, on being able to do this so far and, and making as far as you have uh, throughout this season. And coaching. Yeah. And coaching and being on the sideline and everything else is really cool to see. Um, Thank you. Dealing with that on top of being a, a first-year coach in this league with guys who are coming back for a second year that have been around for the experience, what has that challenge been like for you entering this league in year two with some other guys who had that one year head start. Sure. Um, I, I, I'll tell you what, um, the first thing that I did as a head coach is the smartest move I made is I hired a bunch of people that are a lot smarter than me and know a lot more football than me. So, I mean, we are, if you look down at the roster of our coaching staff, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, the amount of experience we have. And uh, that's, that was the first, I guess, smart, smart thing I did was hiring guys that are really good, really good football coaches. And um, so that that they're doing a great job. Uh, they're doing, putting guys in, in places that have success, and, and we're flying around. And our guys are having fun. That, that's what the best part is as a head, as a head coach. I want to make sure that our guys are having a good time. We work when it's time to work. When we keep it when it's time to keep it light. We keep it light, um, and make sure that this is an enjoyable work environment for everybody involved. So that 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 was the ground. The, you know the, what we tried to establish um, from a philosophical standpoint. And then our guys have just bought in. They've done an unbelievable job of buying in. And this is a player's game, 100%. It's a professional football is a player's game. So they've done an unbelievable job of buying in and playing. We've had Daryl Moose Johnson on the show a bunch of times, and he doesn't duck from the fact that a lot of these guys, their end goal is the NFL. You know, they're playing professional football now, and there are team goals and individual goals within the season. But the ultimate goal for these guys is to make it on an NFL roster how much do you talk about that with your NFL experience? How much does that come up with guys that you're coaching throughout this season and you're talking to them and trying to help them one day reach that ultimate goal? Great question. Um, well, the first thing we do is we, we, are, we have an NFL schedule. 
So from a practice standpoint, how long we're on the field, when when our players come in in the morning, when they leave, it's exactly what the NFL is from, from an hour standpoint. Uh, we don't add plays if we're early, if, you know, getting off the field. When the plays, I tell the guys, hey, guys, when the script's up, the script's up. So as fast as you guys want to practice, shoot, there's some days we're off the field 25, half an hour, 25 minutes, half an hour early because our guys are flying around. So um, that's the number one thing we try to do. Um, you know, the first the first day I got up in front of the team, this is unlike any other experience I've ever been in. We have no OTAs, no mini camps. I told the guys, I hope we have 58 new faces here next year. That means that we did our job and you guys are off to bigger and better things. So I get it. I totally, I've been there. I've uh, been fortunate to win a Super Bowl. Been fortunate enough to, to be at the top of the mountain and, and have that experience. And I hope everybody has that, that chance one day. And um, that, that's what we're trying to do here. The impact of Wes Hills is, I mean, he's, what, eight touchdowns in four games in this 4-0 start. He's averaging nearly 100 yards rushing per game. You're throwing the football to him out of the backfield. To what Ch Chad is saying, and we saw this last year from USFL to training camps, this is a guy that looks like an NFL-type player. Yes, Wes is doing a great job. And, and the thing he's improving on every week as well, which is, is key to being a, a running back in, in the NFL and in all professional football, is pass protection. Um, you saw him Sunday get some great chips on guys. Um, you know, he's running the football hard. He's catching the football. It's not always pretty, but he's catching it. Uh, and he's doing a heck of a job. Uh, and, and Wes is one of those guys that just he's the first guy like when we have a you know, look squad on, on, on special teams that we need a guy to jump in there. You almost have to save him from himself at practice to, to make sure that, you know, he gets to the game. And that's that's why he's having success. I'm a big believer in practice and, and practice speed. And, and how you practice really is the way you play. John Filippo, our guest, he's the uh, head coach of the New Orleans Breakers in the USFL. Week five is coming up this weekend on Fox and NBC. I want to get your take on some, some quarterbacks you've been around, either as a coordinator or a coach, and just name recognition, if you don't mind. I won't hit all of them. Uh, but sure. Nick Foles uh, recently released, but got his, I mean, what you guys did in the run for the Super Bowl when Wentz went down, you were around behind the scenes. How do you describe Nick Foles and that postseason? Nick is a big believer in himself in a good way. He's his, he has great faith, um, you know, in terms of in his heart. Um, and he has, if, if you get Nick's trust, if you, if you earn his trust, um, there's nothing Nick can't do. Um, he trusts the plan. He trusts the coaches. He trusts his teammates. Um, he's a great person off the field. Uh, one of the best people I've ever been around. Naturally, a great person, great father, a great son. Um, Nick's just a guy that does a lot of things really good. And and you know, I, I've been fortunate. Enough, I brought Nick with me down to Jacksonville and to Chicago. So he and I have a very very special relationship. Um, you know, and and been through a lot of highs and a lot of lows together. So um, you know, it, we have a, when you go through those experiences with somebody, you have a very unique relationship with them. I'll set up the next guy by describing this. Normally, normally, when a wide receiver is having uh, one of the all-time best seasons we've ever seen, the quarterback gets the credit for the passing yards and everything behind it. It was all about Justin Jefferson, and it wasn't about Kirk Cousins this past season in Minnesota. What is Cousins like behind the scenes versus the perception that we all have where if this is happening with the top quarterbacks in the league, that dude's an MVP candidate, not the wide receiver? Hey. Kirk, Kirk can make every single throw with ease. Like it, it when we first got Kirk, you know, I, I did not think the ball was going to jump off his hand like it did. I told him that, man, you can drive the football 
and and he's an un he the thing about Kirk too people don't give him enough credit for I'm not sure Kirk's ever missed a game hmm. and he's not the biggest guy in the world I'm not sure he's ever missed a game in professional football so the first thing about being a great player is being available there's a talent so, to that I mean, yeah absolutely and so I mean talk about a guy that's smart can drive the ball um, can make every throw can change his arm angle I mean Kirk is Kirk is an unbelievable passer so I really enjoyed working with him. Describe. I give I give credit where credit's due to Kirk. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize this about Kirk Cousins. The year he and I were together, he's the only player in the history of the NFL for four thousand yards, complete seventy percent of his balls, throw complete, have thirty or more touchdowns and in, in ten or less interceptions in the history of the league. So, I mean, I agree. Kirk doesn't get the love that he deserves, and he's set up in a good spot now with Aaron Rodgers in the AFC. Um, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Love him. Oh my goodness. Oh, what a, what a, but what a guy to be around on an everyday basis. I mean, and, and I'll tell you, I thought like the gene cutoff jeans and uh, all that was like, <laughs> just like a, a shtick, you know, that's his deal. That's, that's real. And, and he is as real a guy. I tell you, talk about, talk about a guy that players love to play with. Oh my goodness. Gardner Minshew. And, and, dynamic personality dynamic and um just an unbelievable guy to be around every day one more for you what is a new spot a new organization going to mean for Derek Carr you know I had Derek as a rookie um I, I think change is going to be is going to be beneficial for both sides you know sometimes thing, things just take their course in pro football and it's it's in you have an amicable split and, and those things happen so I'm really excited the thing, the thing about Derek too is which I don't know if it's mentioned out there enough, but obviously he and Dennis Allen have a background as well together from because Dennis drafted him in Oakland. So there's going to be some ease there with the head coach um, as long as with that transition to a new city and a new, and a new organization. Hey, Coach, also congrats because your game on Sunday afternoon on NBC had 828,000 viewers, and that was up against NBA, NHL playoffs, golf, and uh, a Formula One event going on. So that was the highest since... Week one of a year ago, uh, it was a really good weekend for the mm -hmm. USFL and television ratings. So that's always important. I know you're not thinking about that when you're coaching the team, but congrats on that as well, as well as your team. That is awesome, awesome news. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that have worked their, their tails off to make that to make that happen. I mean, you talk about Moose Johnston and, and Jim Pop and those guys have just worked their tails off, you know, to accomplish that. So kudos to everyone in our league for those numbers. That's fantastic news. Saturday schedule week five starts on USA and it's followed by a Fox broadcast with uh, Houston and Birmingham at Protective Stadium. Sunday schedule is where Coach DiFilippo is involved. You've got 11 a.m. kickoff uh, Central, noon Eastern on NBC and Peacock for New Jersey and Philly, followed by on Fox, Memphis and New Orleans. That's a three o'clock Eastern kickoff uh, to local there in Birmingham. There's got to be a great story to end on. I'm picking this one. If you've got a better one, fill it in. But there, this has to hit a home run. You're interning with the Colts. And Peyton Manning takes all the rookies out to dinner. And he asked you to join. What, what, where, did he, where did he take you? And there, there has to be a story behind why he invited the intern along with the rookies. Oh, it's a, it's a, he took us to, oh my gosh, it, uh, it's a, it was a rib place in Anderson, Indiana. Okay, so we were we were at, in Anderson, Indiana. Oh my gosh, if you said it, I'd know it. But I can picture it like yesterday. And actually, I drove. I drew, Peyton drove, 
pick me up from like my dorm room. Like, <laughs> drove, drove me. I, got, I got to sit like in his passenger seat. Okay. And uh, talk about an unbelievable experience for a guy that's in college and, and, and Peyton could have been more gracious. The coolest part of that story was it was the night of the Hall of Fame game. All right. And I'm sitting there eating ribs and having a, a beer with Peyton Manning thinking this guy's going to be enshrined one day. I'm literally watching the Hall of Fame enshrinement next to a guy that's going to be enshrined one day. And uh, just an unbelievable person. I got to be around his brother, Eli. I was quality control with the Giants for two years. Just an unbelievable family, um, all about football, all about family. They're, they're just an incredible, uh, incredible group of people. Chad was once the uh, taste tester for a shot that was given to Peyton on Broadway. Yeah, I went to Tennessee and I saw Peyton in a bar uh, in Nashville and I, I bought him a shot and I tried to say from one from one vault to another and Jeff Saturday was with him, I, I'm not joking, and took the shot and tasted it first as a good offensive lineman would and then hands Peyton and then we, then we cheers. That's amazing. That. I That's think I actually awesome. bought one for Jeff Saturday. It's all a little fuzzy. I think of I bought it one was. for Jeff Saturday also and said, here are the shots I'm giving. Gave him one. He took it and said, yeah, it's fine. And then Peyton took one with me. So it was great. That's I didn't awesome. get to eat ribs with him, but, you know, it's the next best did you? Hey, did you interview directly with Bill Poling for that internship? Well, what had happened was I had interned the year before for the Carolina Panthers where Mr. Polian was the GM okay. there. Okay, got you. And so this was back pre-email. So I wrote him a handwritten note thanking him for allowing me the opportunity to be a coach's intern there. I think and he wrote awesome. me back. And he wrote me back. And he said, this was right before he made the move to Indy. He goes, hey, you have a, another internship with me wherever I am. Okay. And I was like, no, oh, wherever you are. I go, that's, that's weird. And so like a week later, they announced he was going to uh, Indianapolis. So uh, I went to Indianapolis because I was trying to, again, like anybody, in, any intern would try to build your network. And so I was trying, it got, allowed me a chance to meet a whole new staff and try to impress a whole new staff. And so that's why I, I turned down the Panthers to go to the Colts here too. John Filippo has been our guest. USFL back in week five, this upcoming weekend. He's the head coach of the New Orleans Breakers. You can check them out on Sunday uh, in the full slate available at theusfl.com. Coach, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully we can catch up soon and talk more quarterbacks and more uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you, man. And uh, congrats on everything going so well thus far with uh, with everything behind the scenes there at the the clinic, the nurses, the doctors, everybody. It's awesome. Uh, and great story there. Uh, uplifting, for sure, yep. Chad. Uh, and if you haven't seen the video, you should go check it out. You can uh, find it at outkick.com, but you can also uh, search on YouTube while you're watching the show or right after the show uh, where he's jogging out. He's got the boot on. He's jogging out. And the, the emotion is it's powerful. Uh, to say the least. The only thing we have in common in terms of our football lives is that we both got to drink with Peyton Manning at one point. You achieved the sports fan's dream. Yeah, it was very different. It's Mine like... was different than his, but I, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't riding shotgun with him on the way to the rib house to have beers with him, but uh, bought him a shot either way. Coming up, Chad and I do some taste testing for the Craft Brewers Conference that's in town here in Nashville with Yeehaw Brewing Company, one of our uh, hosts here at 6th and Peabody, along with Old Smoky Moonshine. And... Uh, there's a familiar face with the NBA who recently passed away that will tie in uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the impact that he had in such a short amount of time of his life. That's next on Hot Mike.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll be tasting some of the Yeehaw uh, brews on tap here all week for the Craft Brewing Conference, which is off to a great success. Packed with people across the globe. Suppliers, vendors, brewers, and they do it great here with Yeehaw across the state of Tennessee no and doubt. South Carolina. We've got two more to try here we today. Do. Yeah, we do. In just a moment. But So, uh, Chad, Nick Gilbert was 14-year-old Nick Gilbert at the time, son of the Cleveland Cavaliers owner, um, asked, what, hey, what's not the like whenever he was asked about, you know, why his dad chose him as his hero? He suffered from NF1, and it's, there is no cure. He passed away over the weekend. But he was always the person that was representing the Cavs for the NBA draft lottery. Yep. And he had this luck to him, you know, where they were, they would end up with, they didn't always have the best odds for the number one pick or the number two pick, but they'd end up getting that pick, you know, and, and top pick went to Nick and uh, the awareness and uh, the fundraising that went behind the, the uh, diagnosis and the disease that he suffered from a genetic condition. And it causes like uh, non-cancerous tumors to grow in the brain and the spinal cord, no cure. And uh, he passed away at 26 over the weekend. Very, uh, by the way, I, just let me share this story real quick. My, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother passed away last year. Final grandparent to pass away. Grandfather died in 2019. We auctioned off their estate. We had an estate sale over the weekend. And I think the big fear with that was, oh, there's going to be someone that comes in. It's a seven-acre plot of land. Maybe they take down the home that they built, you know, and... They either the family farm home. Yeah, well, yeah. They, they for for them it wasn't the farm; it was just yeah. their land. And it's like, oh, they they bulldoze the house and they somehow you know they either farm it or they turn it into a subdivision or whatever. You know, not the case. There was a gentleman who was all about wanting to see the home for a couple of weeks, crawling underneath the the house to see that you know the if the good good the good bone structure right going into the crawl space. Turns out. He was living in a 900-square-foot home, he and his wife and five kids. And they bought this house, three-bedroom, two-bathroom. I mean, it's a, it's a small house. And the, the, the tears on their faces, and they were boasting about now having two bathrooms, puts things in perspective. Yeah. For all of the clickbait material that's out there, and everyone wanting to live through whatever's viral at the moment, and putting a headline at the bottom of a screen so that someone will click on it. To me, that was real. And I, it put things in perspective for me of, you know what, you know, comparing this to that, someone's always got it better than you, and there are tons of people that have it worse than you. And for that day, that family had a better day than I did. And for no reason whatsoever, I went into that day better off than they were. 
Yeah. But they had a better day. Well, it's also it's a great story. And one that also proves that something bad happened with your grandmother passing away. Right. And that's a tragic thing for family, regardless of age. Well, the decision especially for, with the property. Especially you know? for your mom and, and her sister, right? right? right. And all yep, the no memories doubt. of that property. And the fear is, oh, this is going to lead to such a bad thing. It's going to be sold to a developer. Someone's going to come in and tear the house down. And it leads to a great thing. So out of the tragedy of that loss, something great spawned. For that family, and now a bunch of memories for that family that's moving in. Very cool. And his his name's John. He sent a text that said, my kids haven't stopped talking about the house today. With the house for my wife and now the bowl, he wanted his his mother to have this bowl for Mother's Day. I'm set for the best Mother's Day of my life. Thank you for the legacy of happy memories that we will inherit within those walls. That's awesome. That was perfect. It was a perfect weekend. So cheers to the, the new family at Sunny Acres. And uh, cheers to Yeehaw cheers to Brewing John. Company. So is this, this right, this right here. Cheers to John. John. Yeah. So this right here, Chad, if we get this right, is the Hip Hop's Hazy IPA from Greenville, South Carolina, 100% Carolina malt, and it's hopped with the New New Zealand hop, a soft mouthfeel. It says with tropical flavors and aromas. Your thoughts? I was going to say this tastes a little bit like Flight of the Concords. It's from <laughs> New Zealand, so delicious. I like that. I like that. The Hip Hop's Hazy IPA, New England style. And to the right, we have the Citrus Slapper IPA. It's a fruited IPA. Chad, this is the Tangy Tangerine Finish. Mm. Bold citrus hops with a note of tangerine. Mm. Oh, that, this, <laughs> this, I can taste the tangerine. <clears throat> Are you allergic? No, I just. <laughs> I wasn't expecting breakfast when I sipped it. I feel like I'm at like a high-end breakfast in a hotel somewhere. Chad's now going serving to have some a, sort of fruit juice. He's going to have an allergic reaction. He's going to stab him yeah. with an EpiPen. All right, guys. This will be my final show. I'll die after drinking the rest of this. Good night, everyone. No, this is good. Uh, a good way to end it. And, and thanks to Yeehaw for making a, what's been a fun week uh, happen for us where we can try the different things for all of their locations. Cheers, Yeah, cheers, Chad. Appreciate you and all the great staff. Cheers to John so, and the family of uh, no five doubt. moving into the house. So you've got the Craft Brewers Conference going on, but you have locations for Yeehaw, Nashville, Greenville, Johnson City, Knoxville. Check them out wherever you are across those two states, and you can find it on retail throughout the country. We're back right here at 6th and Peabody, home of Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow across the Outkick Network.